I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 12th, 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest at the start that you make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, and you can download lots and lots of audios for free, where I go through the history of the big system you're born into, your parents were born into, their grandparents were born into it, and I go into the foundations of the big groups that got together, the financial boys, who already owned a good chunk of the planet under empires and how they decided to consolidate the whole planet under their auspices and how they do it. Not only that, they bring in academia, specialists and think tanks and run the world in the proper way, not the, the way of uh, any kind of individual freedom, but the proper way to serve their industries and their corporations. So that's really what it's all about today. It's quite blatant, in fact, it's in your face. Most folk adapt to it quite easily and don't seem to notice or mind too much as long as they have enough uh, pennies in their pockets. But uh, I go through the histories, as I say, so help yourself to the audios and so on. And remember, too, the sites listed on the com site uh, all carry audios and the, the transcripts in English for print-up as well. If you want to go into uh, other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu and take your pick from the choices offered and help yourself and print them up. And pass them around to your friends, too. Remember as well that I basically uh, don't have any sponsors and I don't uh, get backing by anybody for this particular broadcast. So it depends upon the listener, of course, to uh, support me by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and donating as well. And if you want the books, etc., from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use personal checks, remember, and you can still use international postal money orders from the post office, and you can send cash, and you can use PayPal. And across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. Member straight donations are really, really welcome. Now, as I say, what I do is try and get the events of today and tie them into the basically the announcements that came out many, many years ago very often uh, to do with what was to be the future, which is now, of course, and, and the time to come, because we're living through the vast plan, the big, big plan, the great work, as you call it, where they will transform everything on the planet, including man himself eventually, or types of humanity to serve them better at the top. But they don't need so many people. That's in your face, because they've actually, in their own terms, institutionalized the terms of overpopulation, global warming, overconsumption, all of this kind of stuff. And you have to understand that's why you hear so much of it. This is simple marketing where they hire the corporations to, to write up um, uh, pages for newspapers, inserts, they call them. And regardless if it's written or if it's on mainstream news, you'll hear the same terms used repetitive, repetitively over and over again. And that's the technique of institutionalizing something into society. And then the public pick up on it and start using it themselves, as though it's all quite normal.
We're run by psychologists, uh, behaviorists, neuroscientists, and so on, and marketers, of course, that are way ahead of everybody because they're, they're the original ones who've studied mankind for thousands of years, really for merchants who, who have to be able to flog their stuff onto the public, uh, even if they want it or not, they're going to make them want it, and it's the art of getting desires. Of course, we find that later on, the in the 20th century, the Bernays types came out with, uh, uh, they picked up and all of this, and the people who went before them, like the crowd, the book The Crowd is good to get some propaganda from Bernays himself, and they took Freud's ideas, which weren't his at all, actually, they'd been in the, uh, a certain small circulation for a long time, as of people, that is, and they realized that mankind acted basically on unconscious impulses, not really rational in a sense, and that way they could control behavior, make you purchase, or make you be austere. Be back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about this big system we're born into. Most of us take it for granted because we're born into it. And everyone, your peer group, will grow up with you, uh, all believing in most things which are given to you by the establishment. And most folk don't even realize there is even an establishment. Uh, They think everything must be normal simply because it exists. Everything's normal because it exists that way. And yet the big planners, especially the, the high-level bureaucrats who attended world meetings on all kinds of things, including every facet of society, right down to gender control, all these things, they love to put their memoirs out once they've retired, and uh, they tell you what the future is going to be. Quite, uh, they're quite um, adamant about it too. There's no, there's no guesses about it. They know what they can do with humanity, and unfortunately, it's true. There's, there's pretty well nothing you cannot do with, with basic humanity to do with morality, for instance. Morality is whatever system they give you at the time, and you accept it and go along with it, even if it's to an excess of what you would call immorality. Um, it turns back and forward, and if you go one way or the other and out of the group, the group will turn on you. Regardless of what side you're on, basically, depends what's in in the mode at that time. So we're perfectly well understood by those who control the system. And all governments in all ages have been in the business of controlling people's minds to make them more compliant, to get them to go and fight for for the wars so that the leaders could get more uh, resources and plunder, etc. So nothing has really changed even today. There's always a great justification for every war. And that's the first thing they must do in war, is, is in the first casualty of war too, of course, is the truth. You must always give the people a very simplistic explanation for why you're going to war. And they use the same old stuff, you know, killing babies and all that kind of thing. And they even used that in World War Two and in the Kuwaiti uh, war, of course, for Gulf War One lead up. And it works every time. It works every time for most people because they can't believe that the people, that the, the patricians that are in charge of your country uh, with their big expensive suits and so on could possibly lie to you. Why would they lie to you? Aren't you the children? Isn't that the whole idea of it? You're the children and you're the fathers. We're brought into this father stuff. But it's a, it's a basic instinct that's in people because we're tribal and tribes tend to have leaders, you see. 
And uh, you can't get a truly democratic system unless you go back to a very, what we call today, a primitive system. And uh, American Indians, for instance, often uh, had a, a form of democracy where everybody had to speak their minds at any meeting before any changes could occur. And every, every single person in the tribe uh, got to, to voice their opinions before a collective decision was made on any big changes. And uh, they'll never give that to the general public, of course. And today they've made sure that it will not work because uh, the government itself has created so many incredible factions and uh, differentiations within society, funded groups that didn't exist before into existence. Uh, and, and now the Club of Rome comes out and says, well, democracy can't work because there's too many competing factions. You create the problem, then you point to it, and you say, well, we can't give you real democracy, so we're, we're now going, we're now post-democratic. And then the Club of Rome also said that uh, the system they'd bring in, this was 30 years ago, uh, it would be authoritarian. And guess what? You're in it now. For those who haven't quite caught on to it or clued in where the big boys at the top, under the guise of terrorism, terrorism everywhere, can keep this going for another 50 years if they want. You're never going to see the end of terrorism in your life. And you just have to get used to it, in fact. Because the big boys decided this a long time ago, that the only way they keep control is to go through the massive final stages for world governments and consolidation of all the banking systems under one global authority, uh, would to bring in, be to bring in a, an authoritarian society and micromanage society by thousands of government agencies. So we're really living through a planned script. I keep saying this. Every day, of course, you can prattle off about the different things that are happening, but these are incidental. They're symptoms of the big plan. And they really don't mean too much in the long run. That You could get countless symptoms, same kinds of symptoms every single day. And the mainstream media makes sure that we're, we get the stuff we're supposed to talk about, of course. And isn't that a fact? It's like every year, for instance, the, the, the transhumanists come out and it's a big hullabaloo. Oh my God, they're out. Let's listen to what they're saying. They want to transform us all, yada, yada, yada. But this is just their big PR stunt for the year. Every year they do this. But every, every time it comes out, it's, it's prattled on about as though it was, they never heard about it before. It's like the first time they ever heard about it. So, same with the Bilderbergers, like, oh, world government, they never heard about it before. You know what I mean? Nonsense. Nonsense, you know. We have to get past all of this and realize these are just annual events. They're big publicity stunts. Just like the next one is Rio 2012. And of course, Rio 2012 is, is the real big kicker. And, uh, all the bills that'll come out of it, the governments are probably all signed already, in fact, will be signed at the meeting. They just go there for their big, big party and big publicity stunt. All the, all the global meeting, uh, leaders, etc. and all the NGO leaders, the ones that work and are funded by the big private bankers, they really run the, the world. That's what runs the world, is a big private consortium of international bankers. And these are the guys who lend to nations. And collect from nations forever and ever. So we're living through the scripts, as I say, and you wait and see this month that um, uh, with Maurice Strong and all the globalists get together, uh, you're going to find massive changes to do with carbon uh, payments for individuals across the world, not just from companies or nations, but individuals, because it's a big stick to get you to comply, right down to the fertility problem. Uh, most people now are really going infertile because that's the war 
on, on you, basically. It's a war. Of course it's a war. If it wasn't a war and everyone's going infertile, they'd be screaming at the top what's going on. But they're not, so they know what's going on. That's why no questions are asked. Just give you statistics every year. So eventually either this will come, uh, who should breed, who should not breed, etc. Uh, the whole eugenics program will be brought out front. Lots of experts will come on all television shows across the planet. Suddenly they'll all appear. Uh, bioethicists will come on. These, these eugen- that's what they call eugenicists today. And they'll say, yeah, we shouldn't have so many people. Maybe we should sterilize the ones who we know will have uh, children who can't get jobs. Their IQ is going to be a bit too low or something like that. So they'll have uh, financial barriers, uh, all kinds of barriers, social barriers, class barriers, etc. That's all going to come out of the Rio 20 plus 12 meeting. But as I say, micromanagement on everybody's consumption. That means that right down to the energy that you use, even with your computer or whatever, you're going to pay massive taxes and you'll have to account to the authority. You will account to the authority why you're using so much. I'm not kidding about that too. You have to go back into the Fabian Society. I've mentioned this so many times and you can hear some of the founders of the Fabian Society in a very, very old film. It's now in video. In the Soviet story, for instance, the Soviet story is an excellent uh, video to see. And you, you hear uh, George Bernard Shaw saying that, that the people will have to come to us to justify why we should allow them to live. Now, that's true socialism for you, true socialism, not the, the one that most folk think of out there at the bottom. True socialism is supposed to be a science. And it's an elitist science. They have no problem saying, oh, we, we have intelligentsia. We need intelligentsia to run the people at the bottom. It's the same in communism, too. Even Albert Pike said that we always use liberty, equality, and equality, etc. And he says, but we don't believe in it, he says. He says that would be chaos. They've got to always have this intelligentsia. Well, today, of course, your intelligentsia are raised and, and trained for their roles in society. All of them. I'm not talking about prime ministers and presidents. They're, they're, they're cheap to buy. But I'm talking about the real ones behind the scenes. In fact, advisors are far more important because advisors, uh, know the big global agenda. The presidents and prime ministers don't have to know. They're just, as I say, little actors who are well rewarded for their performances. Not that they can blunder very much because everything's written for them. Every, every word at their mouth is written for them and rehearsed but written for them by their, their own, um, the teams of advisors, etc., speechwriters. So we live in a world of doublespeak. Everything really is doublespeak. But again, it's massive marketing. And getting back to marketing, they, they, they deal with the unconscious desires, emotions, and so on, which we all have. And, uh, and they, can, they can manipulate those desires into... You see, all these emotions come into the big question is, what is it I want? And if you don't know yourself what you want, then they come out and they'll tell you what you want. Even if it's a, if it's a, it's similar, but it's not quite the same thing. As long as it's similar or has something in connection with it, you'll go for that or you'll buy it or whatever. It could be an idea or a material thing, but that's how it all works. Tonight too, I'll put up a link to do with a, a program, of course, that they're, they're bringing into Windows, etc. I'm sure they have them already. But it's to do with observing you. Just the same old way that they used to observe you in the supermarkets with cameras and the dilation of the pupils when you saw certain products. They had all these little fisheye cameras all over the place. They still do, by the way. 
the test folk all the time. But they want, they've got them in the computers and they can actually uh, sense the emotions by your facial expressions. Uh, it, it studies you, in other words, to find out uh, what expressions mean what with you in particular and the dilation and constriction of your pupils. So this is the big thing that's coming out now. And then they'll tailor make supposedly everything for you in a more perfect way. But also don't forget that governments will be using this as well. And, event- and governments have already said eventually they're going to talk to you personally. Personally, right down to you. Just like Orwell's 1984 with the screen in, in the house and in, in the room and uh, the woman on the screen starts to shout to Winston, yeah, you number so and so and so. Yes, you, I'm talking to you. Well, that's what you're going to get because that's the plan. That is the plan. And um, eventually you won't be dealing at all with paper in any shape or form. It'll be all be done on the computer. They've even talked about uh, in Canada of giving everyone a, a special little uh, flash drive they can insert in a computer when they want to talk to government and vice versa. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt. We're talking about basically how we're all manipulated and we always have been manipulated. And, and so interesting, as I say, that people who have studied this for many, many years have mentioned, like Jack Zilow, he mentioned in, in one of his books on propaganda, uh, that subsequent propaganda from the state, and it's all, that's what really most of things are, is from the state, regardless of the agency it comes through. Um, he said that it depends on the early indoctrination that they get at school. So there's techniques, techniques at school used on children, of course, which makes them more gullible, in other words, when they become older and leave school. And without that initial indoctrination, the, 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 later, the later gullibility doesn't really take effect the same way. And there are so many studies, and I've mentioned them too on this broadcast before in the past years, and they found that those with the most education are the most gullible, actually. They're the last ones to ever question uh, authority or governments or whatever government's up to. They're the last ones to imagine it. It can't be happening. It's impossible sort of thing. So we've always been tinkered with, as I say, and it's, it's a real, um, it's an art today. It's an actual art. Very, very simple. If you want an image made for you, for instance, you can hire companies that will create the image. The same companies that make stars, movie stars, uh, music stars, whatever, if you've got the cash. And they can certainly do it. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter at all. And people do it all the time. In fact, one of the Rothschilds who was married, it's a woman who's married to a guy just breaking up, and she runs a big music uh, company, uh, record company, is hiring one of them to give her a new image uh, right now, in fact, as I speak. Here's an, here's an article here to do with you and your emotions. And um, it's, as I say, it's a very old technique that's used. But the, understand, with all the data they're collecting on you, they understand you better than you really understand yourselves. I'm not really kidding about that. They really do understand you better. They have virtual yous in the Pentagon, and they play games on the virtual you with all your data to see how you'll react in circumstances, certain circumstances. And they know, and I've tested it in real life, and the, the, the subjects will actually work the same way and do the same things, make the same decisions. Very important for control, total control. Anyway, it says connect, K-I-N-E-C-T, to watch your emotions and serve up ads, it says. 
Online adverts are already tailored to your search and browsing history, but now Microsoft has plans to add emotions to the mix. In a recently revealed patent application, and the link is on here for that, the company suggests that using its Kinect sensor to analyze your face and body language for emotions could help companies better target their ads. Now, that's not just for advertising. That's for any documentary that you watch, anything at all. They'll, they'll know if you're not reacting the way they want you to react, and they'll find ways to get things to you to start tearing you so that you will start to react the way they want you to react. Understand that. Emotional analysis of emails, search terms, and even your online gaming performance could also influence the ads you see. Just as advertisers currently bid on certain search terms, the patent suggests a company could choose which emotions would match to its adverts. For example, happy people are are unlikely to click weight loss ads, but they might be in the market for a new gadget. Meanwhile, sad people don't want to hear about club nights and confused people may be looking for a technical support firm to help them out, etc., etc. So that was give you a partially plausible reason what, what they're doing it for. But don't forget that everything has to be passed by government first because all this stuff, all these techniques are used first by government and the military. Always remember that everything else is a spin-off of the military. And your own military... As I say, it's the Pentagon that has the virtual you. They have every one of us in, in storage, basically. And, and they play games on us. And they update, we, up, we help them update ourselves daily with all the data you put up there. Since Microsoft has previously hinted at using Kinect to bring players' emotions into games, but perhaps rather than new emotional game mechanics, we'll soon see ad-supported games adjust to your mood. The patent suggests that in addition to watching players with Kinect, games could assign emotional states depending on whether you're winning or losing, it says. So we truly are, we're not guinea pigs, you understand, this stuff works. You use guinea pigs for something to see if it does work. They know this stuff works already. So this is for real, and, and it's being introduced now, along with many, many other things as well. So always think, you know, the old, the old, the old saying that know thyself is very, very true, because who are you? Who made you what you are? Did you make yourself who you are? Uh, you, you'll find that you've been influenced in so many ways that you don't even understand or remember or know. Uh, to bring you to conclusions, opinions, etc., etc., etc. It's just the same way with the global warming um, institutionalization of the term. Uh, they keep showing you ice flows with the same polar bear and all the rest of it, but they never tell you that a polar bear can, can swim about three or four hundred miles. And, and they've always done this. So the emotion itself gets imprinted and embedded, in, in a sense, in your mind. And whenever the terms come up, these trigger terms, you immediately imagine that poor polar bear and bad people are, are destroying the planet. So much of that goes on all the time. And even when I was in school, I can remember they'd show you uh, uh, documentaries on wildlife, etc. And you'd always get horrific scenes. And, and there was always a woman talking with this kind of hypnotic voice. And there'd always be music in the background. Now, why do you need music when you're giving a documentary on something? It's to create certain types of emotions to fit uh, the meme that you're putting out across to the children. That's why they do it that way. It's either very sad or cruel or or it's designed to get your adrenaline going. And and it it embeds in your mind the, the imprint of the emotion with the visual. And that's it forever, basically, with most people. So be careful. Who is in charge of your mind? Who is in charge of your mind? Remember that article I've mentioned so many times, the mind has no firewall. I might put that back up again tonight, that link, and you should read it from the military, by the way. Back with more after this break. 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the system in which we live, because it's complete control, almost complete control, unless you're in charge of your own mind. And even then you've got to keep uh, your, your te- antennas up to make sure that you are in charge of your own minds. But when you turn, years ago, when it started up in the mid-90s, there was a kind of a unification of all the mainstream media. They'd always been in on the same old scams, controlling the public, but... Uh, they, they got together, and when you had cable television, I used to have it one time years ago, and uh, you could go from a station to station at, at the news time, and it's the same stories in the same format, same wording, everything, on every single station, which tells you that all it is really is a, it's a technique of um, ensuring conformity of, uh, of information or opinion uh, to the public, and to ensure that we all believe the same things. That's what it really is. And I've gone through the history, too, of the big boys that got together in the 30s to take over the newspapers of America. And, and of course, Rockefeller and Carnegie and all these boys were involved in it. And they wanted to know how many newspapers they'd have to buy in the U.S. to, to form the, the basic opinion of the general public. And they came to the conclusion 30 would be enough. 30 big ones would be enough to do it. And also lots of magazines, which they did, like Harper's and all that. And they give the general public their their information. But they also have them categorized into lower class, middle class, and again, the bureaucratic type of class. So that uh, so that they're, they're all on board in their own particular class with their own right opinions, you see. So we're, we're, we really are micromanaged. And most folk really don't really believe that. They don't believe it at all. Especially the young ones. When we're young, we've got it all. And we, we believe in, the, in the doctrine that we can just go out there and just make it and, and chase the carrot and get it one day. And of course, the carrot just gets further and further away. And then by the time of your retirement, of course, it's, it's 10 miles ahead of you because they, they cut back on what they're going to give you. In other words, they always lie and, and plunder your money. And they, they bring in inflation. So the, the cash that you've saved is worth nothing by the time you're going to use it down the road. It's a con game, a giant con game, game, and, and they've known this all along, the ones who, who control it all. It's just the general public have got this strange thing called belief. They want to believe in governments, and they want to believe what they're told. They want to believe. You see, you must be complicit in being conned. Any con works on the same principle that the person, the victim, must be complicit in, in the con that plunders them, basically. And we are complicit. Most folk are complicit in what eventually gets done to them. That's why voting, by the way, is mandatory in so many countries. They're trying to do it in Canada and other, in Britain as well. They do it in Australia. They fine you if you don't vote. The, the idea being that if you don't vote, then you're not giving your legal rights to, to this corporation to, to rule over you and do things to you. And they don't like that. They'd rather be like the Soviet system where you had to vote too. But the thing is, it was Politburo number one, two, or three, take your pick. Well, it's no different here because there's no difference in the parties. There's only one agenda. Only one agenda. There's not two. There's not three or four bunches trying to grab the power. There's only one agenda and, and one, one group at the top, this whole system. The rest of it is a show for the general public. 
and it works very well. Then they get into factions and fight each other. Now, it says here, websites are to be forced to identify trolls under new measures. So this is a term, a troll is a person who goes online and abuses people, basically, under anonymity. So this new measure is coming in, and it says, um, new government proposals say victims have a right to know who's behind malicious messages without the need for costly legal battles. The powers will be balanced by measures to prevent false claims in order to get material removed. But privacy advocates are worried websites might end up divulging user details in a wider range of cases. Last week, a British woman won a court order forcing Facebook to identify users who had harassed her. Nicola Brooks had been falsely branded a paedophile and drug dealer by users known as trolls on Facebook. Mind you, too, the government will also use that. Their agencies will also do that to defame people. Facebook says which did not contest the order will now reveal the IP addresses of people who'd abused her so she can prosecute them. And the new, uh, it says the new powers to be added to the defamation bill will make this process far less time consuming and costly, the government said. Complying with requests would afford the website greater protection from being sued in the event of a defamation claim. The new rules would apply to all websites regardless of where they are hosted, but the claimants would need to be able to show that the UK was the right place to bring the action. That's for the UK residents, but this to be worldwide. And um, so, and there are lots of people too, obviously, who just love to scream at everybody else. And there's also, as I say, a lot of sock puppets out there as well. There's a lot of programs that can do this kind of stuff. They even sell them to private corporations for sock puppets. Uh, that, that have a, a basic form of intelligence and gather more data as it goes along. It can put a profile into it and it'll copy the profile and build on that profile and it can attack certain people as well. So you've got all of this going on like a war and, uh, but you have a lot of people too who are paid by agencies, governments as well, all governments to basically put in harassing stuff uh, at, at people who are maybe hitting a, hitting a particular nation or whatever. Uh, this happens all the time. So we live in uh, in a system of, of constant uh, conflict, constant conflict. That's another term from the military, another article they, they wrote as well. A perpetual war, constant conf- conflict. So that's what we're in today. Most folk haven't a clue. They just go on the Internet and play and play and play and get lost forever. And they, and they answer all their mails too, their emails from names I've never heard before. And it's all to do with either Pentagon or Mossad or MI6, or CSIS, or all the, a whole milieu of special agencies all engaged in war, and you don't even know the war is going on. Quite something, isn't it? Quite something. Now, here's an article here. It's quite interesting. How the doublespeak works in, in governments. And Canada's done this before, actually, to do with access to information. But it says here, proposed legislative changes will allow the provincial governments, this is for for uh, Newfoundland and Labrador on the East Coast, it says here, proposed legislation will allow the provincial government to keep ministerial briefings secret. So as they put a new law in to make it things more transparent, etc., uh, to, to the public, it's actually making it more secret. This has happened before. Trudeau was the first one to bring in this system where you thought you could now get access to information, but they had all this uh, all this forms they fill in first before you get information, and if they decided that you'd particularly uh, shouldn't get it or you didn't need it, you wouldn't get it. It was actually a double-speak thing. So this one here is going to keep a briefing secret, 
ignore requests for information that cabinet ministers deem to be frivolous, and bar the Auditor General even from a wider array of records. Bill 29 imposes a sweeping range of restrictions on people's right to know what is happening with the provincial government and their tax dollars. So you can't find out now. See, it's an authoritarian age now we're in. We're in it. The cornerstone of the Access to Information Protection of Privacy Act. This is what it says, right? The cornerstone of the Access to Information Protection of Privacy Act is openness, transparency and accountability. And our government is committed to this important piece of legislation, Justice Minister Felix Collins said. The proposed amendments to the law broaden the definition of cabinet secrets. So they just reword what secrecy means, you see. Barring the release of even factual information to the public. So the public's barred from everything under this new law. Sounds wonderful, but actually means the opposite. But as I said, Trudeau was the first one to bring in the first part of that. In fact, Trudeau, because he was a communist, you see, I mean, he was a card-carrying communist, and every newspaper man in the country in Canada knew that. During World War II, when, and the communists also get a red face at that, because red is their favorite color, except for green, which is their holy color, by the way. Um, Trudeau, uh, during, uh, at the beginning of World War II, was all on the side for the Germans, because the Germans had a pact with Stalin. And so Trudeau put on a German helmet, and he drove a motorbike up and down the docks as the soldiers were embarking to go over to fight the Germans. And uh, he, in 1952, was the head of the Common Turn for Canada, young communists, and he led a group over to the Soviet Union. And he came back to Canada, still heavily involved in communism, and they put him in uh, as a liberal, of course. And that's what, of course, uh, Khrushchev said. It says, we don't call them communists in, in, in America. We call them liberals. And uh, and Trudeau himself, when he left office, by the way, um, he reclassified a particular document for another 50 years. It can't be told to the public. And that was by the first spy that defected from the Soviet Union during World War II, the end of World War II. And he gave a massive list, the first list ever of Soviet operatives, card-carrying communists, who were members of the bureaucracies of both the U.S. and Canada. Uh, and so it was supposed to come up for review, to be allowed to the public about the 1980s or the 70s, and Trudeau uh, reclassified it for another fifth. In fact, it was his last thing he did in the last day in office. He reclassified that because they were pretty well all communists. <laughs> And that's something. Anyway, getting back to this thing here, you, you won't get access to information, and uh, and it's actually going to be worse than ever before. Even, even to do with where your money goes, that's not bad. You know, it's called democracy these days. You know, this is democracy. And, and I'm sure everyone's heard about the Navy, of course, in the States, who lost another spy drone, uh, a forty-four foot, a foot behemoth. It says here. Uh, it says, an unarmed RQ-4A Global Hawk went down during a trainer exercise near the Naval Aviation Base in uh, Patuxent River, it says, Maryland, on Monday. And uh, they, they got the footage of the wreckage, etc. No one was hurt except the Navy's pride. I'd say the, tax, the taxpayer as well. These things cost a fortune. But who's keeping county? And <laughs> this article here, too, is to do with a bill that was passed in Canada, uh, and uh, they've just they've just passed, I think, last week, and it says here that they've, got, they've already got a thousand amendments to, to, to add on to a thousand amendments. You see, you, see, you find most things are, are the amendments are what matter. The bill itself is a bit of a red herring. 
Once you get it passed by law, you can keep, you can add the real things on that you wanted in it in the first place that no one would go for, you see. So it says opposition politicians are throwing hundreds of amendments to the Conservatives' omnibus budget bill and are set to find out which ones are going to stick. What could be a, a marathon week in the House of Commons? How can you do all that in a week? Eh? A thousand? It begins Monday with the Speaker expected to decide how over 1,000 changed proposals to Bill C-38, the government's budget and implementation bill, will be dealt with in the House. They already said that they get an average of six seconds each to speak. I mean, hello, folks, <laughs> and then you sit down. The 400-page pages of legislation amends some 70 laws, including the process for environmental assessment and the rules around old age security and employment insurance. It's a lot more than that. You know. The government argues all legislation contained within the bill is to the economic benefit of the country, but critics say jamming so many major changes into a single bill means they are getting the scrutiny that they require. So it's just the usual haggling between parties, as they must do. It wouldn't matter which party was supreme. Uh, the other one would always oppose them. That's their job. And then they all kiss and make up at the end in the bar, round the corner from the parliament. That's the way it really works. And Canada, too, it's like the States now. Every country is the same. The Department of National Defense can't fully explain spending increases. It says Department uh, Expenditures... For defence, jumped an estimated 14% during the past fiscal year to $22.5 billion. And it says, uh, the Department of National, they can't explain it, and it says, uh, including nearly $4 billion in the month of March alone. So they just lost $4 billion as the government tries to rein in the deficit. Well, the department struggled to identify where the money is going. Now, come on, I mean, you, you understand if these were really, uh, if they were you, uh, and you're running a small business, for instance, you know, you'd be on the street. And you keep voting governments in. You keep voting them in. And then they tell you, this don't know where millions of dollars go. This don't know. This don't it's lost it somewhere. Defence Minister, it's not lost. Of course it's not lost. Defence Minister Peter Mackay on Friday tried to summarise the spending hike, highlighting investments in military equipment, bases and treatment for the sick and injured. Estimated defence program expenditures for 2011 to 12 budget year, which ended in March, increased $2.8 billion compared to the previous year to $22.5 billion from $19.7 billion, according to the Finance Department's fiscal monitor released two weeks ago. What they're not telling you here is Canada's, Canada's, Canada's involved in wars all over the planet, fighting alongside the US and so on. We've got special forces in Canada too. They're always out there killing somebody across the planet. That's what special forces are for. They're always at war. And uh, they all have to be supplied and things like that. It says a whopping $3.8 billion was spent on defense programs in March alone, which is a 55% spike compared to the same month a year earlier. Just as Treasury Board President Tony Clement was uh, urging bureaucrats to avoid March madness. So it's going to all these little wars. It's going to the color revolutions because arms are getting fun and pushed into all these different places. The so-called rebels that want to bring democracy and, you know, these, 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 uh, mercenaries are all hired by Western powers and they have to arm them all, etc. And Canada's doing the same thing and, and so on and so on. Now, Channel 4 journalist Alex Thompson says, Syria rebels led me into a death trap. Now, this is a common trick, and it says, a senior British journalist has claimed Syrian rebels tried to lead him and his team into a death trap so they could be killed by gunfire from government forces in a bid to discredit the Assad regime. This is standard dirty tricks, you see. 
This is Alex Thompson, chief correspondent for Channel 4 News, said this didn't happen on Monday in the Syrian town of Quizar, about half an hour's drive from the battered city of Homs. Thomas said he, his driver and translator, and two other journalists were trying to return to government lines when the rebel escort led them down what he described as a dead end in the middle of a free-fire zone. Suddenly, four men in a black car beckon us to follow. We move out behind, he says. We are led another route, led in fact straight into a free-fire zone. Free-fire is a kill zone. That's, that's where you're told you kill anything that moves. Told by the Free Syrian Army to follow a road that was blocked off in the middle of no man's land. At that point, there was a crack of the bullets, and one of the slower three-point turns I've experienced, we screamed off into the nearest side street for cover. So he goes on to say, basically, that uh, the idea was for them all to be killed so that the rebels could blame that the government did it. You see? Now, who's in control of these rebels? We know who's in control of them. They've been financed by all Western powers. They're mercenaries. They brought them from all over the world, actually. And the West being already been caught putting in arms, even when they've a ceasefire for a while or it dies down, they're shipping more and more arms in. Some of the guys at the United Nations, I think even has mentioned something like that, it gives them a chance to rearm. And, we, and who's rearming them all? Because you see, this is part, Syria was, was on the list of the New American Cent, the project for New American Century in the 90s. And Obama is just carrying on the same list. You see? So, nothing changes, just uh, dirty tricks. And of course, if they had been killed, uh, Hillary Clinton would be screaming, look what they've done to those reporters, was terrible, we've got to get rid of Assad, etc., etc. Climate skeptic instructor fired from Oregon State University. Quite a good article, actually. You should read this one up. All these links up, remember, at cuttingthroughmidges.com. And it says, in theory, at least Oregon State University seems to be a bastion of academic freedom, etc. But anyway, this fired uh, one guy who talked about weather, etc., and uh, because he wouldn't go along with global warming. This taboo verboten. Back with them after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, talking about the global warming scams, etc. And how, again, you must institutionalize this into, like a belief system into society, which I've done very well through massive indoctrination and repetition. And uh, it says, we learned over the weekend that chemist Nicholas Drapella, PhD, has been summarily fired from his position as a senior instructor in the Department of Chemistry. The department chairman, Richard Carter, told him that he was fired but wouldn't provide any reason. Subsequent attempts to extract a reason from the, the Oregon State University administration have been stonewalled. And it seems they came out and they said they didn't believe in global warming, basically, and that's why they, you, you have to be on board. And they even liken it to the Soviet era, because it's the same system, same tricks, when Joseph Stalin uh, really got caught up with Lysenko. Lysenko was a biologist and who, who said that... Uh, by, you could train, you could train, you could train spuds and, and, and various grains to grow up in, in frozen tundra regions. Just train it by putting cold water and it would, it would have a biological necessity to evolve, you see. And this was, this ran through Stalin's whole reign. He would not, even though they never managed to do it, they kept trying it. And anybody, any other biologist, it's, it's not going to work. And look at the evidence, it's not working, was simply shot. And they thinned out the ranks of all the non-believers, you see. Now they just fire you and say nothing else about it. So there's another another guy who has a PhD who's just been fired because he, he doesn't believe in, in global warming, etc. It's not a bad article at all. It's a good analogy with Lysenko.
And again, to, to kick it off at the end here, or finish it off, I should say, again, institutionalizing something new into society. If aliens invade, uh, then welcome them with open arms and give them all a gold medal. They've got to be better than asylum, Earth's ruling lunatics. And it's to do, of course, with this new system they've got the United Nations, where they've got all these experts, UFO experts, you know, these guys who know all, all about UFO. It's like having someone who's an expert in ghosts. Yeah? Actually, you got more information on ghosts. But he's a UFO expert, and they're all getting big salaries now. And all they do is sitting around tapping pencils, waiting for the aliens to land. And I'm not kidding, they have their own speakers, their own people who are going to greet them and all that. Because they're experts, you see. How can you be an expert in something that, that, that's never been tried before? How can you be an expert at all? But you don't even know what you're dealing with. But that's what they call them, experts. And this guy works for the Department of Defense in Britain. No kidding. Yeah. But what was he before? Well, not very much, actually. But uh, he's trying to say, of course, that, oh, they could even, aliens might invade during the Olympic Games in London. No kidding. Huh? Do you, do you realize how dumbed down we are when they can blatantly give us this kind of spiel? Huh? We're really down at the bottom. That they, they know we are, too. People are so mind-bombed with movies, internet, and everything else that goes with it, that they probably a lot of them will believe this, or they'll want to believe it. Understand the whole necessity to believe in aliens because there's no intelligent life down here. But um, it says here that um, this guy, Nick Pope is his name, whom the Daily Mail called a UFO expert, tries to tell us that invading aliens are likely to land anytime soon to come and watch the Olympic Games. But really has to wonder at the sanity of so-called experts and whether they should be allowed anywhere near a Ministry of Defence building, never mind actually being employed by the British Death Factory, masquerading under the same misnomer. But this guy apparently does. So I doubt very much if we should fear aliens in so much as we should fear lunatics like Pope or the moronic pseudo-journalist Eddie Wren, who get to peddle such boyhood fantasy garbage under the guise of reality. So I'll put some links up to that. Uh, I've got two or three links, I think, for that article to show you that they can make you believe anything, anything at all. If one thing doesn't work, they'll use something else, or they'll use them all at the same time. Hunger, famine, plague, all the rest of it, global warming, alien invasions, whatever fits the bill they'll use. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>